Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something What's up, everybody? Welcome to Paratruth Radio. As always, my name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And today, well, we took off last week. Accidentally. Accidentally. (laughs) 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 So last week we weren't, we, you know, you guys didn't hear from us. We were in New York City. Uh, Justin and Shelly went out there for a special trip that they won. And I decided, what the hell? I'm gonna tag along. And it was fun, but we didn't get to record like we had initially planned on doing. With that said, this week, we've decided to talk about some New York cryptids uh, and other little things around New York, New York City that I found as well, uh, as well as discuss our trip a little bit, share that with everybody. Uh, But first and foremost, anything this week that you want to begin with or share before we get into this? Um. Not really. I mean, the the trip was cool. Um, one of the things that we really wanted to talk about is hauntings and stuff. And the the hotel that we stayed in, what was it called? The Catano Hotel. Yeah, the Catano. Um, <clears throat> I I got feelings out of there, but when I looked at the list of hauntings that I could look up. That wasn't on there, but it is an old hotel. So, I mean, New York is a whole is old, I guess. But, but yeah, nothing really specific. I think it could be that uh, the hotel was quite reminiscent of American Horror Story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Cortez. By the way, everybody, if you're wondering whose voice that is, since you didn't Ooh, introduce yourself, or did we introduce her? <laughs> <laughs> That would be Justin's wife, Shelly. She's (laughs) tagging along with us today, our special guest. So this should be a very chaotic episode. (laughs) Special skin tag. (laughs) But no, yeah, nothing specific. I I pulled up some monsters and myths for New York State and then hauntings for New York City. I'm not sure if you pulled up anything specific or it uh specifically i pulled up some myths and stuff of new york city specifically uh you know some of these things uh, pretty common uh or well-known myths and others not so much um as for cryptids i kind of didn't even i i typed in cryptids that came across mythology and was like yeah this works <laughs> i liked it it was cool um but that's not to say there. Obviously, there's plenty of cryptids, so we'll get into all that. Yeah. Uh, would you like to begin? Yeah. Um, all right. So, one that we've talked about, I I guess extensively because it was part of our Lake Monsters episode, 
is Champ, mm. and Champ is upstate New York. So next trip, we might need to do a detour and go up to upstate New York because apparently there's a couple of cryptids up in uh, upstate New York. Okay. But Lake Champlain is upstate New York, and there is a creature there that's similar to the Loch Ness Monster called Champ. We've talked about it extensively, so I'm not going to go into huge detail for that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> upstate New York, again, has had Bigfoot sightings, also Dogman sightings. Um, there is the White Lady in Rochester, New York, at a... I think it's an opera house. Let's see what else here. Um, Another uh, lake monster called Georgie is in Lake George again, upstate New York. This creature is uh, 10 feet long. It was, it's more of a sea serpent and was. Discovered by Harry what Watrous Rotraus. And there have been several real, quote unquote, real sightings that have been reported about the Lake George and Georgie. Um, this one is interesting. Uh, it's called Sue S-U, and it's a two-headed trout said to dwell beneath the surface of Junction Pool where the Beaver Kill River and the Willamock Creek converge in Roscoe, New York. Again, more northern. Let's see. There's been reports of mountain lions in New York. I mean, there are mountains in New York, so... Well, I yeah, but it traveling further down than they should, I think is what this article is indicating. Um, The legend of sleepy hollow is supposedly set in New York, upstate New York. And this one is kind of weird. Old greenie. Old greenie is said to dwell in the depths of Cayuga Lake where the bottom of the lake goes below sea level. Which is interesting because you and I have talked about how the oceans are so deep that we don't even know what all is right. So this one is again a sea serpent type of creature and uh, must dwell pretty deep because it's kind of limited on sightings. It's more of a Native American legend. And then I think this is the last one here on on cryptids of New York State. The Cardiff Giant. The 10-foot Cardiff Giant unearthed just south of Syracuse in the 19th century. This is not really a giant giant. Uh, Turned out to be an elaborate hoax perpetrated by George Hall and William Newell, who buried the giant behind their barn. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought they were talking about the barn itself. The giant captured the imaginations of crowds, drew national attention, and even got a substantial offer to purchase it by P.T. Barnum. So it was a hoax, but it's a le- cool. the legend of New York State. And that is all I've got for legends and cryptids. I, I'll get into the ghost stories, but I figured I'd give you a chance to talk about the New York City myths that you found. 
Yeah, yeah. And of course, I, I mean, I think you mentioned it earlier. I might have maybe not. But <clears throat> did you mention Bigfoot? Yeah, it, okay. it doesn't really give a whole lot, a of, lot of information. Bigfoot's but been sighted in upstate New York. At this rate, I mean, we've been doing this for uh, sometimes too many years. <laughs> There's literally not a state in the U.S. or even Canada that Bigfoot doesn't exist. Right. Or a country for that matter, because I'm pretty sure there's some version of him or her. Or we won't get into the political stuff, but, you know, <laughs> there's big feet around. Big feet. I <laughs> mean. <laughs> They're not really big foots. I mean, it doesn't make sense. They're not hopping around on one foot. It doesn't, you know, I don't know. I think the plural is big foot. It's big feet. <laughs> big foots for several species of them. <laughs> like deers. <laughs> like deers. And deer, mice. Deer. I guess so. I guess someone needs to, we need a new person to, <laughs> <laughs> who came up with that stuff. Anyway, so New York City, one of the most, probably the most famous myth in New York City, or legend in this case, is, of course, the alligators in the sewer. Mm. Now, not once did we walk over one of the New York City graves that I think alligators were like, oh, Pennywise is maybe below me or some, you know, he's morbid, some sort of like disfigured serial killer killer or something. but alligators in the sewer is super popular and goes way back and goes through a number of different stories. Uh, but it was the most famous account was published in the February and 1935 edition of the New York Times about an eight foot long alligator uh, that was pulled from a Harlem manhole by some excited youths who subsequently killed the beast. Poor, poor creature. Um then there's Robert Davis' 1959 book, The World Beneath the City, in which retired sewer superintendent Teddy Mays, or Teddy May, explains how he exterminated a colony of gators with rat poison and a 22 caliber rifle. Uh, now, an official later told folklorist Dr. Jan Harold, uh, Brunvend that May loved spinning yarns, and it's possible that this whole story was actually just manufactured and wasn't actually legitimate but regardless the gators are part of the city and memorialized in everything from tom otterness uh tom otterness uh whimsical sculpture in the 14th street subway station which i didn't know that was there i wish i would have known um all the way to thomas pinchon's novel v alligators are the closest things we have to a mythological creatures uh within that area so whether or not there were actually any true gators found the february uh of the new york times was an accurate and true story in which an eight foot gator was found and killed but again it wasn't so much necessarily that the gator grew up there but was actually somebody's pet and released into the sewers and that's where they came from but people like to believe there's a whole family of gators there. That would have been and cool to find. That would have been cool to find. I mean, so long as you found it and it didn't find well, you. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't come up through the day. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you, when I was sitting on the decks uh, on Pier 76, uh, just south uh, in South House uh, Kitchen, getting ready to go back to New Jersey, 
every the, I don't know what was happening. I don't know if it was just like a, there was a heavy wind that day. So, but the docks are bouncing up and down and swaying and making all these noises. And I just kept thinking of the 1998 version of Godzilla, the American Godzilla. It's like <laughs> he's out there, or she. I don't know. It's still up for debate. <laughs> Uh, another myth is actually buried treasure in Liberty Island. You guys are there and you didn't find any, so it's probably not really there. But you didn't really get to explore a whole lot as no. far as digging up, though, either. We had the oh. time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Captain William Kidd was hanged for piracy in 1701, and legends of his buried treasure have been sparking imaginations ever since. Now, one concerns the riches he may have left on Bedloe's Island, now known as Liberty Island. In fact, back in the 19th century, the tale proved so enticing that two soldiers stationed at Fort Wood, the island's tenant prior to Lady Liberty, decided to hunt for the treasure. A psychic sent them looking for the largest flat rock at midnight on a full moon armed with a witch hazel divining rod. According to legend, they found the treasure... And a cutlass wait and a cutlass waving ghost. The soldiers fled, and when they returned, both the ghost and the treasure chest were gone. Hmm. They got the treasure. They made up a story. Probably. They lived lusciously. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, another one. This one's just kind of interesting. It's called the pennies from heaven. Now, one penny is all it takes or so the story goes but dropped from the observation deck of the empire state building or any new york city structure for that matter an otherwise harmless one cent coin can be transformed into a murder into a murder weapon now we've heard about this tales i heard about this growing up Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of urban legends are cautionary tales for kids of course uh and so the penny story is very much like that now the legend has certainly kept many uh mischievous impulses in check on field trips to the illustrious building but it's also been thoroughly debunked a penny weighs about a gram and assuming it could descend through the updraft swirling around the building and bypass the roofs of shorter structures, highly unlikely it still wouldn't be lethal. And yet the story endures. And that is something to consider because when you're standing at the bottom of, like at the base of the Empire State Building, there is another portion of the building that surrounds it, has a roof, and then the tower. Nonetheless, I think the Myth Mythbusters, uh, you know, the TV show actually investigated that legend and were able to debunk it. Um, I would love to try to debunk it myself if you'd be willing to try to catch the penny <laughs> as I dropped it. Something I forgot to tell you while we were in New York is when we were at Liberty Island on the pier to get onto the ferry off and off on and off the ferry. There's these steel beams that had just tons of coins Mm. in them like people Mm. were making wishes or i don't i didn't get to ask if there was a significance to it but like beams that had um the the divot in the steel beam itself like just full full of Mm -hmm. coins it was interesting Including so we, diapers from the diaper oh, bar. Well, there was, yeah, there was a couple of other <laughs> things in there, too. And this was where exactly? Getting onto the ferry on Liberty Island. 
So you, it was on Liberty Island getting yeah. onto the ferry. Yeah. So you're telling me that you actually did find the buried treasure on Liberty <laughs> Island. Well, it wasn't. And it was mainly anymore, coins and dirty diapers. <laughs> Let's literally, if it's if it's coins and dirty diapers, that's what you call a shit treasure. <laughs> so, so another myth here is the ghost ship of the Hudson River. Uh, now. A tall masted vessel supposedly visible during foggy days at dusk is the apparition of a ship that was wrecked on the rocks because her crew was simply careless. Um, it's said that if you were to that if you see it, you better not go out in the water. The earliest printed version of the tale is from a book titled The Hudson by Wallace Bruce published in 1894. In it, Bruce writes that when New York City was little more than a village, the whole of the population grew excited one night as an unfamiliar ship approached, but she turned aside, continuing up the Hudson, and it never returned. Whenever a storm came down the Haverstraw, uh, Haverstraw Bay or the Tappan Zee, it is said that she could be seen careening over the waist, and you could hear the captain giving orders in good low Dutch. Now, many claimed she was the spirit of Henry uh, Henry Hudson, sorry, Henry Hudson's half moon, which had once run around upriver. But whichever version is correct, one really don't know. And the simple fact is, if you look out there on a foggy night, you may see a ghost ship. Hmm. I didn't know New York had a uh, ghost boat story. I didn't either. That one was new uh, for me. I think the last one I'll share here is the Fordham University spirit story. Now, the Bronx's Fordham University is home to many harrowing tales, including this one, which is collected in Haunted Hall's Professor Libby Tucker's book of college ghost lore. Interesting. We've you and I have talked like had people on for like haunted hospitals and hotels and. Mm-hmm. EMT stuff. Never thought about schools. There's a lot of old, old schools around the world. Late one night, a resident assistant was alone in a dormitory and found all the mattresses in the building standing upright. This being a Jesuit institution, the RA called for a priest, fearing the influence of the supernatural. And at about 2 a.m., a Jesuit uh, cleric knocked on the RA's door and told him he'd dispatched the evil spirit. The following morning, the RA spoke to the school's head nun, who apologized for not sending anyone to investigate. Perhaps related, a number of scenes in The Exorcist were actually shot at Fordham, and faculty member and priest Father William O'Malley played Father Dyer in the movie. Now, Tucker theorizes that the famously cursed film may have given rise to the legends. Some people think they raised or summoned a demon on that shoot, and maybe it was left behind interesting it's funny you bring up the school thing though because when we were doing night suckers we did do a there was a a legend of a ghost at a school close to broadview heights it might have been kaigahaga heights where a kid supposedly killed himself and they mm. always heard screaming and stuff do you remember that i think so 
It's vague, but I think so. That was, I mean, Night Stalker's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago. <laughs> I don't know if my mind's capable of remembering that far anymore. <laughs> we are getting old. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I've got the seven most haunted places in New York City. All right. So if we do go to New York again, New York City again, we're going to have to go in the fall because Grand Central Terminal does a ghost walk Ooh. every fall. And it dates back to 1913. Wow. The, the ghost walk? Open. The ghost walk. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> now, it doesn't it doesn't give any great details as to what's in the ghost walk or anything other than ghosts of New York City. Yeah. Uh, so it would be interesting t- just because we traveled the subway system, I would say extensively while we were there in New York City, just because the cabs are very, very expensive to take. Um, the White Horse Tavern on Hudson Street is supposedly haunted. It is was historically a favorite haunt of writers in 1880 and welcomed such famous authors such as Jack Kroc, Allen Ginsberg, Dylan Thomas, Norman Mailer, Bob Dylan, and Jim Morrison. Self-proclaimed self, second oldest continuously ran tavern in the city is perhaps most famous about, I'm sorry, because the 39-year-old Dylan Thomas claimed to have downed 18 straight whiskey shots there before his demise in late 1953. His ghost is said to hang about the tavern from time to time. The Campbell apartment, which actually we had seen an advertisement for, I think on our way back. It's just above Grand Central Station. You had seen an advertisement for it. Yeah, Um, there were lots of ads. But this one is supposedly haunted. So that would be interesting to go do just because we know where Grand Central is. And it's now a bar. Hmm. Well, I know. <laughs> spirits while hunting spirits. <laughs> and apparently several bars haunted in New York City. Of course they are. You know how many people have probably been killed in them? Right. <laughs> St. Mark's Church in the Bowery, which is East 10th Street. Uh, the stately church is said to be haunted by Peter Stuyvesant, the mythically well-known governor of New Amsterdam during the mid-1600s. The good news is that he seems to be more interested in singing hymns in Dutch and inventory rum loudly during services than scaring the living. Either that way, that would be a pretty cool EVP session, especially if we caught some singing. That would be cool. Uh, The Woodland Cemetery, of course, every cemetery is supposedly haunted. The Algarve. I want to. I would like to see a book of the like, like the only non-haunted cemeteries or something. (laughs) Like these are the cemeteries around the world that are not haunted by spirits. Uh, the Algonquin Hotel on West 44th Street. We would have to look where that is as far as the Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan, or whatever, because I thought our hotel was perfect. But 
might be a good idea to have a stay at the Algonquin. Uh, it was visited by Dorothy Parker, who was a poet, former Harpo Marx, uh, and playwright George Cannell in a group of often discussed possibly haunted New York City hotels. The Algonquin stands out on many haunting related lists. And the last one is the Dakota. The Dakota. Oh, Justin. Yeah. The Algonquin is right where we were staying. Really? In that, in that neighborhood. Oh, yeah. perfect. Even better. And the Algonquin, I'm sorry, the Dakota is the Gothic visual anachronism of a resi residential building in between modern structures near the edge of Central Park West. So you might have even seen this place. So you might want to look up a picture. Oh, no. What is it called? I'm going to look it up uh, right now. The Dakota. Oh, it's the Dakota. The Dakota NYC. And this was actually the location of John Lennon's assassination in 1980. Uh, also a scene of Roman Polanski's film Rosemary's Baby, which is interesting because it's a horror movie. And attracts seekers of spooky spiritual experiences along its sidewalk. Maybe it's the Dakota's mystique and exclusively it's been the most viewed co-op listing online for Manhattan and the Upper West Side that draws the curious and maybe it's something more. Unable to enter the building, visitors wander along its 72nd Street and Central Park facade in awe. And that is on West 72nd Street. What's you know that? What? You all around in Central Park, or did Wait, you so that it, certain areas? Do you? I went. Areas? I yeah. I started in the center of Central Park, so near the um, the reservoir, the the water reservoir over there, and then I just traveled south. As for this building, I did see it. I didn't know that it was a Dakota. I even took well, a picture of the building. <laughs> I'm looking at my phone right now because I took a picture of the building next to it and I may have also got it in frame when I took it. Let's find out. Do, 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 do. I got a very small portion of it. So not in photos, but yes, I did happen to see it and had no clue. Cool. And that is it. That's all I got. There was, I mean, multiple articles for for hauntings in New York. The the myths and monsters was very hard for New York State, even. Mm -hmm. So, I was glad I was able to find a little bit of both. But since we're at a good stopping point, we'll take a quick break, folks. You've been listening to Paratruth Radio right here on Killer Podcasts and Paratruth.com. And wherever you find great podcasts, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back right after this. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on CandairPodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. 
What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. As always, my name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And during our break here, I was actually looking at my photos to see this building. And oddly, it doesn't match the photos that are online at all. Like the building is right next to this. I'm sending you a photo, Justin. Um, so there's this building. And I don't know the name of it, but from Central Park, it's, I mean, it's very clear. You you can, you know, it, it has these two towers, uh, like twin towers, if you will, that extend okay. up from Central Park. Now, if you were to Google the Dakota, you will actually see it next to that tower that I just sent you a photo of, but okay. it's not in my photos. And yet it appears on the Google pages. Hmm. Do you notice that? You said there's a tower? Well, so yeah. Um type in type in the Dakota NYC in Google. Oh. Just like that. Type in the Dakota NYC. And then If you just see on Google right to the right of the Wikipedia page, you'll see photos. And that first one, if I'm assuming it's the same for you, there's like these two tall towers. Oh, yeah. If you click on that, the Dakota looks like it's right next to it to the left. Okay. Yeah. And yet that building is not in my photos that I took of that same building. Hmm. Maybe the Dakota doesn't want to be found. Maybe not. Interesting. So while you were in Central Park, did you get any feelings or anything from anywhere? Not really. Only well, only only one. I wouldn't say it was spiritual by any means. But there's this little <laughs> <We're> sleeping. <laughs> yeah. There's this one section that I so I went over this bridge and you can make a left or a right. But there was nobody around. It was just like these two pathways that went either direction. And there's no one near it. And I was about to start walking. I made it like three steps and was like, I got this feeling like, I don't know if this is a good idea. <laughs> like to go in this little back route area of Central Park by myself. It was daytime. But even still, you know, in my mind, I'm like, who knows who's high? Because there were like, there's all the, so many trees in this area. And the one path is all the way, I would say probably... 300 feet or so the opposite direction near the reservoir. And then the other path is actually down a little hill, um, which is separated by a fence. So you're kind of just secluded on this little path. Um, okay. So I did that. Other than that, no, you know, I did, there was nothing, nothing weird, but I also didn't go into it, you know, thinking or looking for anything. Creepy. Yeah, opening yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I mean, in the hotel, I definitely got a feeling there. And we, before you got there, we had kind of done a mini ghost box session just with the app on my phone. And it seemed like we were getting some intelligent conversation, but I didn't have it recording just because it was kind of short and abrupt. But there was definitely something there. And again, like, like I said earlier, 
it's an older hotel and New York as a whole is, is old, mm-hmm. but, um, seems like a lot of hotels and bars there are haunted. So it make a little bit of sense. Other than that, other than my normal kind of feelings that I get when I'm out and about, especially in a populated city like New York, I didn't really get a whole lot anywhere else. Um, did like throughout our adventuring was there anywhere that kind of were you getting a pull at all or no not really and i think that probably has to do a lot with just um the comedy like there's so much happening so many noises so many people stuff like that your your senses are just kind of crowded and clouded by all this stuff happening uh, I think if it were, you know, if it were nighttime and you were, you know, more, I mean, more secluded, which probably isn't the best idea uh, in <laughs> New York City, city. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, maybe you find a little more or you just purposely go out looking for these haunted spots. You know, like if I knew, for example, that the Dakota or some other place was haunted, I might be able to feel something once I got there and opened up my senses to it. Um but other than that, you know, it's like I feel like in New York it was so hard to open up any sensitivity toward anything because there's so many different energies within that city that instead you naturally try to block those energies, uh, which naturally just blocks every energy. So you don't always yeah. feel. I mean, probably a good idea in New York as a whole. Anyways, just because there's so many people, you don't know what other people's crap they've got on them or if you have a psychic vampire situation or anything Mm. like that right Uh, anything that you felt while we were there other than being creeped out by people i loved it all (laughs) i would go back in a heartbeat i would debate i would search it out um so on that note all you worldwide listeners, if you want to help fund a little more research in New York City, <laughs> stop on over to uh, the old buy me a cup of coffee. <laughs> and uh, I'll be your bait. Send us <laughs> out. We'll take pictures, audio, you name it. <laughs> and that link is actually at paratruth.com. If you guys would want to donate, that would be awesome. And uh, yeah, maybe we should start some funding like that. Where do you want us to go investigate? <laughs> yeah, we could totally do that. You should uh, write a small list and yeah, put it up for options. You know, where do you want us to go? Figure out the cost and all that. Absolutely. As for um, saying if I felt anything, definitely the subway. And mm. it was even when it was empty, I got a really weird feeling and not like some weirdo was going to come up and pinch my ass or anything like that. Um, and that last restaurant we ate at. Got a weird, I mean, there were weird feelings there already, but it just had a whole vibe because we kept walking past it and it was constantly empty. But there was, it comes and goes. Which restaurant is this? The one that you had to go. The Japanese restaurant. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say last restaurant. I wasn't sure if you meant that or like the, the, the breakfast place. Oh yeah. No. It's the last restaurant. Actually though, now that you mention it. And mind you, that whole night is a blur for me. But I do recall <laughs> that restaurant seeming a little odd to me, even when I was feeling the way that I was feeling. Um, oh, yeah. M- mafia guys excluded. 
<laughs> there is <laughs> there was just something about the atmosphere in that place that was just resonating on some level that had nothing to do with the people in it at the time with us. It was the just something else. There weren't real. Maybe the not. People, the people in there I felt weren't even real. Like they were ghosts. And every time Justin and I would walk past this place, there was nobody in it. It was a ghost town. <laughs> and <laughs> the front where everyone eats outside has never uh-huh. been eaten out on. It was just like this facade. So I don't know what it was weird. Huh. I liked it. I would eat again. I mean, yeah. Time during dinner did I say, oh, this is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, very good. And I'm not gonna give the name because I honestly don't I don't think I ever got the name of the restaurant, but it didn't have a name. The, yeah. This <laughs> restaurant was definitely I would say mafia owned, or at the least, if there was a lot of spirits that we were picking up in there, it was a mafia place at some point, if it was spirits that we were picking up on. There's there was definitely something. There was definitely something. But, I liked it. Oh yeah, it was awesome. And then uh Eric had actually an experience that night that you videotaped that was kind of a spiritual experience for you. Yeah, kind of the situation you were in. <laughs> I don't want to go too far into this situation. Oh no, yeah, that's um, that's fine. But you know, it, it was like <clears throat> so yeah, so my last experience near uh Grand Central Station. So I was walking up there by myself at, at dark. I don't know what time it was at that point, like 8:30ish, I think probably. Yeah, 8, somewhere around there. Um, so I was walking up there and I was just kind of, I wasn't feeling well. I was just kind of dizzy and, you know, wasn't really seeing things straight. And I was hyper-focused on what was ahead of me. And then all of a sudden, just dozens and dozens of pigeons came flying. They came flocking down from the buildings, from the bridge that crosses from central station over to, uh, whatever street that is. And, um, uh park avenue mm-hmm. and it just like it was it was insane like there's every there were so many people standing there in awe like some were like whoa this is cool and others are like freaking the heck out because they didn't like birds and stuff they're being fed apparently but at the moment and i only caught the tail end of it on video because before that it was even crazier mm-hmm. uh but at the moment in my state it was just kind of like i actually wrote in my journal there's a separate section on this whole event uh, called hope and despair in new york city because it did kind of give this almost angelic hope like feeling with all these birds in the state that i felt like i was in and then just a few moments later about a block further toward the hotel there was another moment in which a homeless man just again i was hyper focused so he just kind of came out of nowhere for me and he he started screaming and crying in this most like desperate despair way that I can imagine, you know, like when you're just broken down and there's nothing left, that type of scream, you know, it wasn't like a crazy scream. It was like, I'm hurting type of scream, you know? And it was just like yeah. those two events simultaneously just hit in two very different levels. And, you know, when I got back to the hotel, I was just like to this I actually wrote it in my journal yesterday because it took me a couple of days to finally get it all written out. Just I can't stand sitting there for too long. Um, 
but even his voice is still burned in my mind. Like I still remember precisely how it sounded and the way he looked and acted and all that stuff and the birds too. Uh, but it was crazy. Like it was, it was an interesting thing that I, I think is going to be sticking with me for a while. If you hadn't caught video, I would have told you there's something else going on, <laughs> but that the fact that you caught it on video was kind of cool. Um, any anything else that you can think of that uh, we saw or or you'd want to see again in New York? Um, I mean, I'm sad that you guys didn't get to experience Central Park because I I would love to go back there and I'd like to uh, explore the north side of Central Park because again I went from central to south so there's a literally half of the park that I didn't check yeah. out um and of course is depending on where you go on what side there's different things that you can do on the west side versus the east side uh and plenty of you know like i i didn't get a chance i could have i was right there but i didn't get a chance to go over to like the met like in that area because i know there's mm-hmm. more than just the met there. there's all kinds of stuff so i know shelly's pouting right now um <laughs> i may or may not have cried on the way back oh <laughs> Uh, well, I didn't see it either. So at least there's that. I didn't see anything. Uh, I was going to, and then I, 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 I mean, I was planning on seeing it with you guys. I was like, well, I'm not going to go look, like check it out. And by the time you texted me, I was already on the South side. So I was like, well, sure. So I'm not walking all the way back there. It was like a 40 minute walk. Um, so I definitely love to go back to Central Park, check out the North side there. And of course the Met, which we didn't get to do. So do that as well. But then on top of that, I would love to walk over the Brooklyn bridge. Uh, just, I don't know how long that bridge is, but I think that'd be cool. It's rather long, but yeah, I mean, it was literally a, a train ride away from us. So it wasn't, wasn't that far. And it was on our list too. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think the, my favorite thing there was the small is beautiful show that we went to, which was just a bunch of painted miniatures that, people had had done and i'd gotten a picture of it i may use the picture i took for the uh thumbnail for this week it was a ufo pulling up pieces of houses and earth and stuff and it was just like the coolest thing just because not just because of what we do but i like how it was detailed so I, I loved that. I think that was my favorite thing. What about you? Oh, gosh. On the spot, <laughs> Justin. Your um, favorite thing was me showing up. My favorite thing had to <laughs> <have> been... <laughs> You went dead silent. <laughs> um, you know, I've been around. I know things. Um, <laughs> my favorite thing. Oh, gosh. All of it. Okay, so. If you had to pinpoint. My like... favorite thing was being cussed out on the subway. <laughs> I think that was the most exhilarating thing. And people watching and seeing just all the wonderful architecture, everything, everything. The food, the drinks, the drinks, the pastries, <laughs> the bougie, expensive chocolate. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Mm, it was all good. I took so many samples from that chocolate store. <laughs> when I saw the prices, I was like. Pick, 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 pocket, pocket, pocket. <laughs> I haven't tried any of them yet. Staring at us? She was huh? not happy. 
Yeah, she was staring at you guys, which is why I was pocketing everything. <laughs> she was watching you guys like a hawk. Like, I was like, snip. Your call boy. They were samples. <laughs> what are you? They're samples. What are you like? You know, she had to touch each one of those with her bare fingers and repackage them, right? Maybe. Maybe <laughs> not. <laughs> we won't stay there again. <laughs> stay at the. The Algonquin. The did what? Again, if you want to fund some research on this interesting topic, please stop over at paratruth.com and buy me a cup of coffee. <laughs> well, the interesting thing about buying me a cup of coffee is it's one of those things where it's not like Patreon where you have to do a actual thing. You can just donate whatever you want. We can put up different um, events or whatever that we want to uh, be funded for. but Or if you want to send pennies for dropping, just in the UR PO box. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that is pretty much it for our New York experience and myths and legends of New York City and New York State. Any other housekeeping stuff we have to do before we go? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, only holiday would be Memorial Day this coming week. Yeah. Um, and other than that, you know, we're literally stepping into summer here in about a month. So um, a little under a month. Uh, so not too much going on in that respect. Uh, otherwise, you know, like like Justin had already said, and Shelly, um, you know, make sure you hit us up. Send us, you know. A little, I don't know if you call it a tip, but you know, re- reach out on that uh, buy me a coffee thing. And then Justin and I will, of course, we're, we're going to spend the next day or two just coming up with some ideas uh, for things to, to tra- places to travel, investigations to do, stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, where maybe we can raise a little money and you know, do some videos and uh, record yeah. a show and stuff like that in the process, like a live thing or something. Uh, but yeah, that's about it. Yeah. And if you want to see Shelly be ghost bait. Ghost bait. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me on this week. This was yeah. super, super fun. Um, and as far as donations, I always accept severed toes and fingers. <laughs> P.O. Box, hit me up. <laughs> you know, she doesn't give the actual P.O. Box number. I don't have one yet. <laughs> I don't give my real address number. You don't want people stalking you. We're good. We already have people stalking you. Or you actually start getting fingers and toes. And... Yeah. Right. No, seriously, the market for fingers and toes is through the roof. I believe it. So, Human skin is super high right now in the black market. Fresh or preserved? I, I'm not sure. They didn't say. I'm, I think it's just a general. You got a lovely preserved fingertip in my library desk. Okay. Oh. On that note. <laughs> Folks, make sure you check out paratruth.com, killerpodcast.com. Make sure you check out our sponsors, Nodakian Studios, Finicky Fox Productions, Ghost Stop, Justin Cancellary Author. Uh, That's all I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, Evergreen Podcasts. And make sure you're checking out checking us out next week where you'll find us same time same channel we promise we won't skip this is justin and i'm eric this is shelly and i'm skipping
Peace. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> so, no. Right.